Well, I'm excited to dive into the Word of God with you today as we start our series in family and singleness. Um, I already know I'm going to wrinkle some feathers today, so I wore my good suit. All right, so even if you're married or single, I just, just buckle up a little bit, because we're going all the way back. All the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. So you could turn there in your Bibles. And then we're going to dive right in. The youth are dismissed, especially before we get into this lesson. Get out of here. Thank you, Taylor. They might need to hear this, though, actually. <laughs> well, let us pray real quick and dive into the Word of God. Dearly Father, we thank you because your Word is absolutely wonderful. You created it. But not only that, you created the institution. You, you, you made us male and female. You gave us something to do. You provided purpose. You told us what we had to be doing. And sadly, we have decided to go outside of the lines, um, Sadly, we have messed up the picture in which you painted, and for some reason, we consistently try to add to or take away what you have already formulated. So, God, what my prayer is is that we will come back to the original manuscripts today. We'll come back to what you have designed and designated, and that we will no longer try to make up something and then ask you to bless it. So, God, I pray for our hearts today that we'll be willing to introspectively look at ourselves, that husbands, wives will be able to look at themselves, that we won't be nudging nobody because we need to look at our own bodies. Uh, I also pray for the singles, that they won't be looking around for somebody, but they'll be asking themselves if they are somebody. So, God, this is a great day to, to look at ourselves. But most importantly, it's a good day for you to tell us who we are. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a—how many of y'all have kids? Just raise your hand. Okay, good. How many of you know kids? Good. Raise your hand. That's good. All right. So since everybody here knows a kid, if you are auntie, uncle, a mom, dad, you've, you've been in these shoes before, so don't get mad at me, but it's when your kid at a young age brings you a picture. And, and, and the picture supposedly is something. Now, your job, I've learned from, what's that thing called? Like good parenting style or something like that. You can't, well, I've, I've used this, I've said this before, you can't say, like, what is it? I've, I've learned that. You got to say, tell me more about it. And then you're just trying to pick up on context. Now, there's other pictures that your kids come home from school right around kindergarten. And this is when you sometimes start to question your own kids' intelligence. Somebody's been there, don't lie. Everyone here has questioned their own kids' intelligence at least once. Like, are you sure he's going to college? He might be good with his hands. <laughs> and it's usually when you get that first picture, and the picture usually has lines on it. So it tells you what the picture's supposed to look like, and then your kid brings home a picture, and they color all outside the lines. And you're like, no, 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 like you were supposed to stay inside the lines. Now the picture is unrecognizable. All you have that kid that's heavy-handed with markers and the thing is all bled over, messing up your counters. We've all been here where the lines that were designated are now bled over. So now the picture is no longer recognizable. And then I look at some married couples and some singles and say, we went all over the lines. That God has told us what marriage and singleness is supposed to look like. God has told us what you were supposed to be doing while you were single. God has told us what we were supposed to be doing when we're married, and we keep being heavy-handed, and we keep going outside the lines, and then we take it to God and say, look at this beautiful picture. And he's like, what is that? Tell me more about it, because I have no idea what you thought. That was what I designated. I didn't designate that. And for some of us, let's open up the coloring book called Genesis chapter 2, and let's figure out what God said is the lines of marriage and singleness. Let's talk about the fact that some of us have misinterpreted, added to, went outside the lines, and sometimes won't even color with the right colors. In Genesis chapter 2, we have to put some boundaries on it. We have to tell you what, how it started. And if you know how it started, then you'll know if you're outside the lines. And, and it says here in verse 15, it says, then the Lord God took. Now, this quick thing that I want you to understand is that God takes responsibility for what he's going to do in his garden. Let's just start here. He said, the Lord God took. That means he was responsible for the placement. 
Nobody else can place you somewhere. Nobody else can tell you where you belong. God had to take Adam and put him somewhere. Now, let me also say, Adam couldn't make his way into the garden either. Y'all know where I'm going. Better yet, how many of you have ever seen a color map when you have those kids and it says like two plus two is four, and then four has a right color, like it's, it's red, it's yellow, and that way the picture is supposed to look like the original because they were supposed to follow the color map on the bottom. Now, if you haven't done this in a while, we've all been here. They got new stuff. All my kids got laptops now, so maybe they don't know what this means. But uh, what I am saying is for us seasoned people in here, you remember that there was a color map and your job was to do the math on the bottom and match the color to the top. So what I'm fixing to do is take the color map and ask you a simple question. You can't designate the color that goes in one section. You can't tell God that one plus one is three. And no offense, this world is starting to tell us what one plus one is three is. We're trying to say you can do this in marriage. You can add that to marriage. You can even do this in your singleness. You can play with this. You can test drive the car. You can make sure the car works. You can turn the ignition. They just make up stuff now. We have talking, dating, really good friends. We have different terminologies for different folk. Some girls don't even know where they are. They just be guessing, like, are we talking, dating, or is this courtship? We don't even know anymore. It's because we keep what? Changing the color map. Now, what was supposed to be brown is now blue, and we don't even know what this person's supposed to be. Is it an alien or a human? We can't figure it out. And right here, God is sitting there saying, hey, I'm going to tell you, this is my job to designate the color. It's my job to tell you what the color map is. And right here, he said he took and he put. Now, remember, the garden is something, something really weird about doing this, right? Because that means where was he before he took and put him there? Now, I had to ask myself this question, and I'll be honest in saying that not a lot of commentaries address the where Adam was before he put him somewhere. But what we can say is no matter where he was, he wasn't there. So, therefore, what I will say to some of us is, like, I have to ask, are you staying where God put you? The one thing about this situation is God is showing extreme authority over what he creates. Bear with me. You can't put yourself there, nor can you take yourself out unless you choose to do what he says not to do. So therefore, if you put yourself somewhere, stop getting mad at God because you took your own authority over your own life and put yourself in a garden you didn't even belong in. So some of us are single, keep putting ourselves in gardens, and God's like, I didn't put you there. Some of y'all are in marriages, and you're like, man, I'm not, I don't want to be put here no more. God's like, no, no, in the authority vested in me, within sickness and in health, you got to stay in the garden now. And some of us have made up what? Divorces can come at a click of a button. We got lawyers. You can just sit up on the Zoom call your way out of divorce. It's a mess because we started saying that authority is mine, and then it said it placed them somewhere. Now, here's the thing. When he puts you somewhere, that means he's also going to put boundaries on you. Here's the kicker, is if he takes you and puts you somewhere, then why doesn't he get to designate the lines? The problem with many of us is we don't like the fact that we feel controlled, and now we have good parenting styles. We're like, color wherever you want and use your creativity. Absolutely, there's free will. We'll talk about that in a second. But God has designated the free will in which you color. You can't change the lines, though. I'll prove it to you. Because he says right here, he says, and he took and put the man into the Garden of Eden to do something. Now, the second part of taking you and putting you somewhere is that he gets to tell you what to do when you get there. Now, y'all like, no, nah, man, that's not fair. I love my free will. I don't like the fact that God controls my dating life. Swipe left, swipe right. We got to do this. DMs are a real place. Hey, free will, go DM the way out of it. You know, put your sweet, sweet messages in there. Be creepy. That's cool. But let me say this. How come nobody gets a job, reads the job description, reads how much they're going to pay, and then tell the person, like, ah, I don't want to do that? Right? When you accepted the job, you accepted the job. So when you accepted the job, they gave you a what? A job description. Now, I don't know about you, but if you accepted the job because you maybe like the pay, love the, the, uh, the, the, all the coverages, everything that gave you, all the benefits, I was trying to find that word, all of that, then what you said is like, hey, man, I'm signing up to do this. I'm going to talk to my married folk. If he says, hey, this is what marriage looks like, and you signed up at the altar to do it, 
You can't get in your marriage, stop liking your mate, and then all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to change what I want to do. No, no, no. You said it. That's why premarital counseling is so real, because we get to line out what God said it is. This is your JD. Now, the world's going to make you change it. They're going to say, nah, man, you got to change it. You got independent women. We got sexism. We got all these different things that are popping out. And I get what happened is that if you manipulate the Bible for so long, you're going to have the reverse effect on what he wants. So now we have some men and ladies fighting for roles and changing job descriptions because we've messed up job descriptions for hundreds of years. Rather than go back to the original manuscripts and say, hey, what did you want out of marriage, God? We just say, because this man messed up in my last relationship, I'm going to change the JD in this one. And God's like, just because, you, just because a man messed it up doesn't mean my designation is messed up. Just because your last husband was jacked doesn't mean your new husband is jacked. That just means he was messed up. And he didn't know the JD. And no offense, you went to the altar knowing he didn't know the JD. Some of y'all dating somebody, no, not a manager material. No, he should be working the kitchen. <laughs> he got dish duty for life, and you over here like, I'm going to make him a manager. No, you're not. Everybody's hours are going to be off. It said this, I'm going to give you and put you in a place, and then I'm going to tell you what to do. So my single folk, this is for you too. Because even while you're single, Adam is not married. That means he's supposed to do something without the presence of Eve. Now, fellas, I don't want to talk to you, but I'm finna talk to you. Because right now, he's going to tell Adam what his job is. And he says two words, and if you're paying attention to the Hebrew, he says what? Cultivate and do what? Keep it. So you should be asking me, what, Pierre, what in the world does cultivate and keep mean? And what kind of man and what should he be doing even before I meet him? Can I say, can I say something? Stop, stop getting in a relationship and then trying to say, oh, just don't forget, you're supposed to cultivate and keep. Make sure the man before you get there is cultivating and keeping it. Like, before you even get in the relationship, he should be doing his job because his job was not predicated on the motivation of a relationship. If he wasn't pre-motivated just by God alone, what makes you think you're Jesus? Are you going to save him now? No, that's... Stop missionary dating. You're not going to a foreign land to save a tribe. You just... Some of y'all playing Savior and then wondering why he ain't saved when y'all get married. He was motivated until he got what he got. Now let's move. The word motivate, the word cultivate is simple. It means to work. You're like, well, that's simple. Cultivate not only means to work, it means to care for and maintain. That means the whole thing in the Garden of Eden is that he was supposed to be working. Now you're like, well, I thought work was all messed up because of the curse and them eating the, the fruit. Absolutely. No, work got hard. That now it was because of the sweat of his brow did he be able to cultivate the ground. But before that, God said, you're not supposed to be sitting around the garden of Eden just leisure. We, we're not supposed to be sitting around the garden and nothing is like, how many of us are planning for the years when we don't work? I'm going to work until I can't work. And God's like, no, 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 you're, you're missing the point. But before I even talk about retirement, because some of y'all are like, well, Pierre, shouldn't I retire? Absolutely. You notice that he's not talking about your occupation right now. He's talking about the fact that you labor for his glory in what he gives. The Garden of Eden was his provisions, meaning I provided you everything that you will need. Therefore, I need you to work what I provided. So therefore, let's generalize what's happening. He's not just saying, hey, men, go get a job. I've seen pastors so many times cheapen what this message means. It's not just about what you work at because we know a lot of people who work. doesn't make them good men. I know a lot of people who could bring home a check. Doesn't mean they're a good man. So therefore, he's not just talking about your job. What is he talking about? He's talking about the fact whatever I provide you, you cultivate it. So if I give you kids, you cultivate. If I give you wife, you cultivate. If I give you something to do at your job, cultivate it. If I give you a job at the church, cultivate, take careful, and maintain it. Oh, we got too many men to start off on a high and go on a low. Maintenance doesn't do that. The whole point of maintenance is to do what? Is to see there's a problem, go fix it. Is to see there's things that go, have to happen so we can maintain the level of giving God glory for what he's provided. But you first got to realize you were put there, 
And if you realize you were put in the garden, that means there's a benefit to be there. And if you realize the benefit of being there, you don't mind serving a God who gave it to you. We have a lot of men who think they're working for their own, pull themselves by their own bootstraps, and now complain that God is saying, take care of what you gave. That's on you. You wanted the belt. You wanted Gucci shoes. You wanted red bottoms. Now go cultivate and keep your own mess. It's funny, man. We'll, we'll make our own garden and then tell God, hey, to bless it. And God's like, no, no, no. I was providing everything I thought you needed. You're deciding to add some trees to it. That's on you. Cultivate not only means just to take care and maintain, it means to serve and till the ground. But watch these words. The words serve or till, that means that he was supposed to be working to produce something. So even though the trees were already there producing fruit, it doesn't mean he shouldn't maintain the garden. So just because God gives you something doesn't mean you don't have to put work into it. Just like God giving you an amazing wife, but just because you got the amazing wife doesn't mean you stop putting work on it. Some of y'all stopped dating like 10 years ago. Go back on your date. Cultivate that joint. And then you wonder why the intimacy is lacking in your marriage. You haven't cultivated that in years. Oh, you, well, be careful what you wow, ladies. You coming. I told you I was going to talk to my fellas because right now he's, this is Adam's job. But it doesn't mean it ain't your job. Because sooner or later, God's going to say, ladies, you coming to the garden too. Y'all was like, mm, I love this message. I'm sending it to my boyfriend. Nah, wait. Because he's looking at you like, who is you then? Because it. <laughs> but he says, not only is it, watch these words, it not only means to cultivate, keep, maintain it. Keep writing these down. It's going to be on your notes. You can find it online. It means to serve God. How do I know that? You can go to a couple passages, Deuteronomy 4.19. You can go to uh, later on in Genesis 3.23, 4.2. Let's get in. Hold on. I know y'all couldn't see that on camera, but he just got a balloon out of nowhere. But I'm just going to talk about the fact that how aggressively you got it. You just, you act like that was a villain. Like this is Avengers or something, brother. Like it wasn't hurting nobody. Yeah, he said, Avengers assembled. No, brother, it's a balloon. Golly. Talk about being a distraction. Deuteronomy 4.19. <laughs> In Deuteronomy 4.19, it talks about that the fact that they would use the same word to serve God with, meaning that the priest, the Levitical priest, would use the same Hebrew word. So basically what I'm saying is, is cultivating or working the garden is not just you working the garden, it's you serving God. So ladies, if you're looking for a man, find a man who's already serving God. If you're dragging that man to church and you're asking him to come and he doesn't have his own service before you get there, that ain't it. Now, you can't change him once you get married. You tried that already. So you should be already. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about serving God. Because that means God has provided. That means that man is now taking what God has provided and already doing with something with what God has provided. But if he's willing to sit with what God provided with, don't ask him to change now. Man, how many of y'all are like settling a little bit? Y'all started out with that list too. I remember that list. He got to be six, four. Now you're like, five, six ain't bad. <laughs> Some of y'all started out with like six pack. Like one pack is not bad. Just as long as he, as long as he works out. But the funny thing is we make a list for the physical, but we don't make a list for the spiritual. No offense, it just shows how shallow you really are, that you're only worried about what you're going to get on the outside, not worried about what's happening on the inside. So how about you start changing your list and let God take care of the physical and saying, God, this is what I need. I know you told me is the spiritual list. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm saying, man, you got a chance to fix yourself. How about some of us start cultivating? Like, it's not over for you. You're sitting in the pew so you can learn how to cultivate. Your job ain't over yet. If you got breath, you can cultivate. The problem is God has already told you what your garden is. Don't complain about it now. Now it's time to cultivate it. But then it goes on a little bit. He says that it's a God-given assignment. So let's get with it. How many definitions just for the word cultivate? The word cultivate not only means to serve, to work, to care for, maintain. That means it's a God-given assignment that required for your existence. That means the reason why some of us feel empty is because we're not doing what God created us for. 
Isn't it crazy that we keep adding to our life, asking God to make us feel fulfilled? And God's like, if you would go back to the original, you would already know what I told you to do. And if you were serving me with what I gave you, you would feel fulfilled and you wouldn't need a woman to do it for you. But now we get married hoping the woman will make us feel complete because we wasn't doing our jobs in the first place. So now we ask her, now we make our woman the job. Now we're trying to cultivate only her. And God's like, wait a second, I told you to cultivate what I gave you in the first place before she even came along. Oh, that's a God-given assignment based on your existence. Meaning he said, the moment I put you there, I gave you something to do, which was a part of why you exist in the first place. Basically, basically what I'm saying is that you have purpose. That some of us men, if you don't mind, you, we've made our jobs our purpose. Some of us have made our kids our purpose. Some of us have even made our marriages our purpose. Some of us have made everything else our purpose, whether it's your hobbies, working out, our purpose. We're thinking if we get our body right, that'll provide purpose. And God's like, no, the reason for your existence is to serve me with the garden I put you in. Now, you could be saying, Pierre, my garden is small, man. I ain't got a lot of money. The garden had nothing to do with money. It's what he provided. And some of us won't serve God until we have a big garden. Serve God with what he gave. So now he's talking about service. He says, hey, this, then I want you to keep it. It is your moral responsibility to cultivate it. But then he goes on, he says, I want you to keep it. You know what keep means? So not only does he want you to serve it, then he wants you to watch over it. So you should be in charge of looking around and saying, how do I keep and guard this garden? Now, I read a commentary and it said, don't get too lost in what he's guarding from because obviously evil doesn't exist. I get it. But maybe he's watching over the garden, meaning he's watching to make sure everything is taken care of, making sure the animals are taken care of, that he was already guarding what God created. And it's funny that the same word in the New Testament talking about, I kept the faith. So maybe just only thing you're doing is you're guarding your relationship with God. You're saying, I'm going to keep it no matter what comes. But then we have a lot of people who are very off and on with our relationships. We're not keeping that faith. We don't guard it. A lot of my fellows will tell me, Pierre, like, uh, how do I know this is the right one? And they want me to give them like a long, long speech, like a soliloquy of sorts. And I'm like, brother, she help you serve the Lord. And we'll get there because your whole job is to keep and watch your faith. So if somebody's taken away from your faith and that probably ain't the one. So, ladies, that says something about you. But some ladies are a little selfish with what they want to guard and keep their man from. But uh, you don't want to hear that, do you? But then he starts to put boundaries on you for a second. He also gives you this thing called free will because it says this right here. Before I do that, let's go back to childhood. Y'all remember connecting dots? Right? Because now you got to draw the lines, but it's your time. But the only thing about connecting these dots is that you couldn't make up your own order. Is that fair? Like you couldn't just do one to seven. You had to do one, two, three, four, five, six. That's how it tells you how to count. And if you follow the order, no matter your free will to put the lines in, it, you still had to follow the order. And if you did, the line would still create the picture. Then you had the right to go in there and draw and color within the line. So God is saying, not only did I give you purpose, I gave you obedience. Do what I say to do. And then he says, I give you this, there's a, there's a garden full of trees. And he tells you what to do with all these trees. But then he says, look, I'm going to give you a command. Now, here's the crazy thing. Like, look, man, I'll be mad at Adam and Eve, not because y'all be like, everybody cracks jokes about nakedness and I wish we was walking. No, I don't care if, I don't really know if I want that. Okay. Nobody wants to see me. I, I, we would have done an impurity, so everything would have been great. But that's that they always make jokes about what it would have been like if Adam and Eve didn't mess up and all this good stuff. I don't want jokes about this, but I can tell you this, man. It seemed a lot simpler back then. They only had one command. This one. It said, hey, I command you. I'm going to give you one thing I need you to obey. Just one. Now we had laws in the Old Testament. I'm like, fam. I wish I was like, hey, man, this is what your job is. Cultivate, keep it, but don't do that. That'd be a cool life, man. We over here stressed out. You got to watch your IG usage, your Twitter usage. You got to watch what's on your head. Like, you got to do a lot in this life. Pluck your eyes out. It's a mess. 
But he says, the Lord God commanded the man. Means I'm going to tell you what you can and cannot do. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it nice. Do y'all allow God to command you what to do? And the reason why I ask the question, it's not because you think it's simple or not. It's because I've seen a lot of people know what to do and still don't do it. Like, like a lot. Like, you know as a man what you're supposed to do. You know as a woman what you're supposed to do. You know what a single's supposed to do. You know willy-nilly style ain't working for you. You tried that already. You tried multiple people, multiple partners, multiple times. And you know it don't work. And God already commanded you and told you what works. And then you say, ah, but my feeling is though. But you don't understand God. And God's like, if you just don't eat the tree, you won't die. If you stop having sex, maybe you'll have a pure marriage. You don't have to deal with the damage. If you keep yourself pure, if you submit to your husband, which we'll talk about later, if you do the right thing, maybe you'll have a good marriage. And you're like, but God, you don't know him. You don't know her. Like He's like, actually, I do. I made him. And I know how bad he can be. Watch what it says. I got to move through this point pretty briefly because we got a large definition at the bottom. You ready? So not only does he say, hey, this is what you got to do. And then he says, hey, you need to stay within the lines. Here's the order of things. He says, commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. Now, if you've been in the young adult class, which I recommend, you would know how I teach this. He's saying, what? You are free to eat from anything. Here's the thing about God. If God said you can have one fruit a day and it's from the other tree, the other tree you can't eat. That means, yeah, you get bored, right? That means you don't have free will. You got one or the other. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to give you a variety from the whole garden you can eat. I just want you not to eat from this one. So when he gave you free will, he gave you the opportunity to exist and choose. It's kind of like picking a college. You get to pick from any college you get into. But as long as you don't go to college and act a plum fool. So therefore, here is the boundary or here is the obedience I'm asking. You can pick from any woman. Just pick the Christian one. But we're like, God, I don't, why are you always limiting me? I feel like when I became a Christian, I had no more fun. No, because you define fun as everything outside of God. When your, defin- when your definitions are jacked, then everything outside of God seems fun. And what you're really complaining about is the one tree. And meanwhile, God is like, but I can give you this. I can, I can actually give you this. You want, you want cucumbers? So you, you nasty like that? Eat your cucumbers. You like, you like uh, green beans? Eat your green beans. Like you, but you over here, but, 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 but what about the peach? God's like, no, no, no to the peach. But, 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 but I do like fuzzy ones. Like you never had it, but I want to. Like stop. You got this thing called free will. Can I just explain it to you theologically? The reason why the tree of good and evil has to exist, the reason why the tree has to exist is because if he didn't put it there, that means you wouldn't have the free will to obey him. And everybody's like, God, just take the tree out. We should still be living there. No, 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 because he loves you enough to give you an opportunity to choose. Isn't that crazy that he loved you enough to allow you to sin? He didn't make you worship him. So that's why you, when we have church and it fluxes like this, it's because you have a choice. You can wake up and say, I'm too tired for God, or you can wake up and say, it's time to give God his glory at the collective body of Christ. You got that choice. I can't preach good enough to get you out of your bed. That's a free will decision. I can't make you serve in church. I can preach about it all day. That comes from your free will. But isn't that good about God is he's not going to make you do something? Because when you do it, he wants you to know you did it because you wanted to obey the person you love. Some of us are doing it because we feel obligated and we don't want to get cursed. We don't want to, get to feel like we're in a bad standing. We don't, we, we, your motivation is off. You're free. Do what you got to do. But remember, there's a good and bad choice because then he tells you the consequences of your bad choices. Here's the kicker. He's not doing like willy-nilly style. Like He's not just telling you like there's no consequence. He literally tells you what's going to happen. If you have sex, it's inside the body. This is what happens. He tells you this. My dad tells us his favorite application. It's like his favorite thing to say. He's like, have you ever wondered why two 
two virgins can get married and there's no sexual diseases. And he said it so much, it kind of loses its thing, but it works. Probably because he puts a whole bunch of S's in there. But, th- th- like, but it works. Two people can get married and nothing happens inside the body. The consequence he said could happen doesn't happen. But the moment you go outside of the boundary and say, I'm going to do what I want, then the sin goes in the body. So it, it makes sense that if you just stay within the boundaries of God and you do what you're designed to do, so the first thing is about doing, the next thing is about obeying, and then he says, this is who I want you to do it with. Oh, it gets good. Because he lays out the boundaries, he tells you the consequence, but then he says, look, this is who I want you to do it with. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord. Now, here's the weird thing about putting these two things and smushing them together. We call them pericopes, that the author, is, to me, is switching the pericope. He's going to then the Lord. So after you have the boundaries, then the Lord. So I hate to say this, fellas. So what he's saying is, know who you are, then the Lord. Some of us aren't men yet. And then we say, but I want the, I want the companion. Why would I give you a companion if you're not doing what you're supposed to do? So, yeah, go ahead and keep searching all over your websites. That's cool because you're searching for something you're not even ready for in the first place. And he knew it. That's why he didn't provide it. I should stop saying websites. Websites are fine. Just just do it in the glory for God. Okay? Sorry. I got to stop saying that. But now we keep saying, oh, man, God, I'm lonely. And I get that because he's actually going to say, talk about what? recognizing that it wasn't good for him to be alone. So God already knows, as a man or a woman, it's not good for you to be alone, but for a purpose. It wasn't loneliness that he was only conquering. I want you to understand this. When he provided Eve, it wasn't just so you wouldn't feel lonely. Now, did he notice it? Absolutely. But he did it for a what? Purpose. Watch, I'll prove it to you. It says this, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. The word good means it's not a value. Now, what does that mean? Ladies, you're fixing to enter into the picture. Why would he say value? The word good is not saying just the same good word he said when it was complete. He's saying you add, it's not good, it's not a value for him, this man, to be alone. So when he calls you good, then what is he really saying? You add value to his life. Uh Uh-oh. But that means you have to make sure that you have maintained your value. I'm going to tell you something about a car, ladies and gentlemen. A car, the moment you drive it off the lot, my mom taught me this, it loses value. But there's ways for you to maintain value. Okay? We're all on this borrowed time of life. We're going to lose whatever you call value. But the bottom line is God doesn't see it like that. You could drive it off the lot all day long. But what I would challenge you not to do is park really close to somebody and get mad when they ding your doors. I would challenge you not to get in a wreck. That lowers your value. Uh, what I guess what I'm saying, ladies, is you always maintain the value because God never takes away your value. But I also am saying stop parking close to some man that's not supposed to be your man and let him ding your doors all up. I'm also willing to ask you if you would stop getting in a wreck with people, sisters in Christ that are trying to hold you accountable, people that are trying to speak well into your life, and then you're like, God, I'm going to get in a wreck over here at the club. And I'm like, keep doing it. You're going to decrease your value. And God is saying, what woman adds value to your life? Now, ladies, I also got to say that you can decrease the value even while you're married. Like a nagging wife. It said it's better to live alone. Well, you depreciate value quick. <laughs> if the engine light keep coming on, even though nothing broke, mm, fam, I'll take this car back. You can de- decrease your value. I'm not just talking about your sexual purity. God is a forgiving God. See, what he's saying is the value to do something. It's not just the value of your beauty, because he already talks about the out, outer beauty is not what gives you value, right? Here he said your earrings and your adornments, that's not what gives you value. 
He already told you that the value comes from the inside, how you carry yourself, how you are a woman of God. That is where your value belongs. So he already told you, I'm not worried about your hair, your earrings, your red bottoms, your dresses. I'm not worried about that. That doesn't give you value. What gives you value is that you both are willing to do the work of the Lord because I'm fixing to tell you, what you how you fit into the equation. So I'm telling you you're valuable because you're fixing to add to the ability for both of y'all to do the work. But if you're not doing the work either, then you have no value. So ladies, this, I know this is not where you want to be, but you're in the hot seat now. And fellas, do not nudge your wife when we talk about value. She is a valuable woman of God. What he says is it's not good for man to be alone. That means it's not good for man to be in solitude, but for the purposes that were outlined in verse 15. So you got to go back up to verse 15. Because verse 15 tells you he's not supposed to do this by himself. But he's also willing to say, it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to prove it to you. Just go down and skip down to verse 19, and I'll show it. He's fixing to name every animal. The man names, this verse 20, the man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the sky, to every beast in the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So Adam over here naming everybody, they walking around, got their boo, got boo cattles, boo roosters. Think about it. They just over there making joyful noises and junk. Adam over there like, man, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm not attracted to none of these animals, God. <laughs> Where's mine? And God said, yeah, I recognize. I told you I get to this. I recognize it's not good for you to do this work alone. I recognize that there's companionship that is necessary. So how you feel if you are not gifted in singleness, and I really mean this, if you're gifted in singleness, amen. God says you can maintain the singleness, and you are gifted to do so. But if you're not gifted in singleness, how you feel to have a companion is not wrong. God even knew that it's not suitable for you to be alone. So I'm not, no, but you shouldn't feel bad for your singleness. The only reason that I believe is when your singleness becomes your God. Now, for some of us, that's exactly what happens, is that the only thing you think about is how single you are. And therefore, you become desperate to only fulfill one part of your life, not realizing you need somebody that is suitable for the work. So now you just fill a spot, but not a, not a responsibility. So some of y'all got a lot of spot fillers, but not the right person. It's because you focus too hard on the fact that you're not alone. I, I wonder how many singles in here are willing to say that God has made me content. That means I'm satisfied by God alone. So when that person comes, they're just an addition. The problem when you focus on your singleness too much is how you created this big old hole that you expect this other person to fill. And now they go over here jumping into a 10-foot pool when it's only supposed to be a shallow end. Because you're like, man, when this man come, he going to do this, he going to do this, he going to do this. And God's like, no, no, you be content in me. I will fill you. I will make you feel satisfied all by myself. But when the man comes along, you're going to know what it looks like because I've been satisfying that hole all along. Ah, oh, but if you don't ain't satisfied with God, you're going to be over here finding any man that's jumping in the deep end with you. Let's move on. God took pity on the man. He says, hey, I understand you're lonely. But then he says this word. Watch these words, and this will focus the rest of our time. It's not good for man to be alone, verse 18. I will make him a helper. Now, this is where every situation, person, possible woman doesn't like this word. So if I were to say, all my helpers, you never see Beyonce get on stage. She says, all my single ladies, I get it. And it's my job somehow as a male figure to get up here and say, oh, my helper ladies, no, nobody's going to really enjoy this message. <laughs> nobody's really getting up. Nobody waves their phones to this junk. But I'm going to do it because I'm going to be obedient. The word helper doesn't mean like, okay, husband, how can I help you? Okay, okay. So you just want me to wash dishes and I'll make you sandwiches. And get, you want me barefoot? I get it. That's not, that's not what this word means. So I want to lay it out, ladies. 
He's not asking you to just be somebody at the house chilling or, or excuse me, or just helping your man do stuff. You're supposed to be helping him what? Accomplish the same purpose you got. And y'all supposed to do it what? Together. So that means he's saying, I'm just going to provide somebody that's suitable, that's going to help you do the work I designated in verse 15. Remember I told you he was okay with saying you were alone? But he's also willing to say, I'm okay with what? Giving you some help to do the job I gave you. So, fellas, this goes a long way. How many of us are looking for women in our lives that are helping us do the work that God gave both of y'all? Or how many of us are just okay with a woman just having no additional value to the, to, the, to the work of God, being very careful, and vice versa? How many ladies are just complacent with men just knowing how to work but not necessarily rendering a service unto God? But let me give you the definition of helper because I told you it wasn't a bad word because God uses it actually on himself. I'll prove it to you that when they were going to war, God consistently talks to him about himself as the helper. I want you to hear this. In Psalm 33, 20, Psalm 70, verse 5, Psalm 115, verse 9, he talks about himself as a helper, saying, I'm going to help you in what? Battle. That means you're supposed to go to war, but I'm here because you're not able to do it by yourself. You can't win by yourself. But because we both want to win the war, I'm coming alongside you to win. You know what happens in marriage? We forget that we're both trying to win, that we're both on the same side of the line, and that we're both in this war together. But if I stay back because I'm mad at you and we ain't going to do this together, are we bound to lose? And then somebody starts complaining about losing. I'm like, well, you didn't help. So if your job is to help and his job is to go to war and his job is to go to work, then why in the world would you wouldn't help? Because y'all both on the same team. The problem is the world is setting us up to believe you're not on the same team. We split bills. We say it's 50-50. We do all this other mess. We talk about compromises when there's no compromise. We talk about you need to do this and I need to do that. And I'm a single woman. I'm going to keep my independence. No, that, that's gone the moment you put a ring on it. There, there's the, that was your decision because you wanted to say, man, I trust you to lead me in the Lord. Now you all of a sudden talking about, well, I don't trust you this much. You picked him. That was your choice. He didn't force you into it. It wasn't slavery. Ah, uh, but let's get deeper. The word help not only occurs in Joshua 1.14, Joshua 10.4. It's the word saying that the help is stronger than the helped. This is God telling them, I'm stronger than the person I'm helping. So there may be areas, ladies, where he's not saying you're unequal and you're unvalued. He's saying there's going to be areas in your life. That's where this word suitable comes into play. There's areas in your life where you're stronger than him. But I've learned in a world we're starting to force our strengths because we don't want to feel like we're dependent. No, it's going to go somewhere. That some ladies in here are forcing your independence in areas where you're not strong in the first place only for you to feel like you're equal. And God's saying you're equal already. I created you with value. I actually formed you. I didn't spend much time on the fellas. I took time on you because I knew how many things your body would have to do. Carry a child, breastfeed. I had to form that. So therefore, I already told you I added value to you. I already created you for the work. But the problem is now you over here force feeding yourself into strengths where your man's supposed to be strong. And then, fellas, our pride creeps in and we start telling our ladies we're strong in areas we know we trash at. You've been horrible bills your whole life talking about, I got it. No, you don't. You ain't been good your whole life, but you found a woman who's suitable, who is strong when you're weak. But you know what? There's too much pride in relationships now. Nobody's willing to say, I ain't good at it. One of my favorite applications is my wife. I love her. I remember she used to say this. Y'all heard me say this before. She'd walk by the, the floorboards. What's that thing called? Baseboards. Y'all have heard this before. And she'd walk by them, and then she would see like one small dust bunny. Just like this, like this me. And I remember one day she just got a little flustered. My wife never gets mad, right? Like she's an angel. 
And then she looks and she goes, what's, a, what's, a, what's I love when couples say this when I get into marriage counseling. I don't understand how you didn't see this. Sadly, fellas, I, did, I wasn't married that long by then. I said the dumbest thing back. See what? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. That's the bad part when somebody says, see this, and you over here like. <laughs> I didn't even know what she was talking about. And she said, I can't believe you didn't see the dust bunny on the floorboard. I would have been like, bet, I'm going to go look at it. But then I said, we had, the, had a little bit of a lengthy conversation. I said, babe, I'm not built like you. When I'm walking through this house, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for this, how I'm going to pay for this. This is going to break in six months. I got to save for that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere else. So the last thing on my mind is how that dust bunny got there. As far as I believe, it belongs there. It's home now. We in it together. You might be covering up a spot I got to paint later. I don't know. But the point is what? I wasn't built like you. Stop trying to force your mate to be something he wasn't created to be, vice versa. Like, stop making the opposites, which we'll talk about in a second. Stop making the opposites have to be the same. You're the helper. He's the also supposed to be what? Doing the work. So the point is, do your job. But there's only one of them. And that is to give the glory to God. Let me prove it to you. Let me keep moving. Not only does it mean that you are a helper that God aligns himself with this word, you are a divine assistant. You're like, I don't like the assistant word. I want to be the manager. Let me tell you something about being a manager. Let me tell you something. I, you know, fellas, I don't know if I'm going to get an amen out of this, but I'm going to say it. Thank you. <laughs> the last time I checked, when a store goes through a closing or is fixing to be, like, revamped, it says, under new what? It never said under new employees. Why? Because the manager is always held responsible if the store is going to mess. And God is saying, I, I know you want to take his spot. Fine. But you don't want to know what accountability I have on this man. Because if the store goes to crap, I'm finna be under new management. And you over here like, I can't wait to be the manager. Okay. Be the manager then. And no offense, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound rude and I shouldn't have said that word. Some of us are fighting for management and then get mad when we finally get it. When your man finally starts sitting on the couch and letting you manage everything, now you're mad too. <laughs> He's like, fine, if you're going to argue about everything, you do it. you the manager now. And then you realize, I don't know if I like this management job. Huh? <laughs> but I'll say this. It's not only does it mean that you assistant, divine assistant, that means God designated purpose and role. That means God gave it to you. Can I, you, God gave you that. That means God saw fit. The problem is you keep finding the wrong fits and then being mad at God. And I'm like, find the right fit. You will have no problems. Find the man that's going to do the work of the Lord. You will have no problems because you see this man trying every day. He may not be perfect. But you see, like, man, I can help that. I may not be helping go to the club, but I can help that. I may not be able to help him waste the money, but I can help him not waste the money. But at least he's trying. But, fellas, you got to be humble enough to know you ain't good at it. Got too many prideful men in this joint thinking they're good at everything. And we start lording over our leadership, not realizing that God never you wanted a lord. He wanted you to serve. Here's a kicker about submission, submission and everything that everybody hates. You know, submission, it ends up being mutual anyways. And let me explain to you, for those who don't know what I mean. Everybody hates the word submission in marriage because they're like, oh, my God, I got to submit to him. At first it says, ask to the Lord, but nobody reads the rest of that verse. Submit to him, ask to the Lord. That means your duty, ask to the Lord. You've already been submitting to God, so it's easy to submit who he puts in your life. But that's not the point. Let's keep moving. It's going to be mutual submission anyways. You know why? Because God tells you that you're a servant leader, men. So that means if you're serving your wife as you lead her, 
guess what you're going to do? You're going to end up being subservient to her needs as long as they're biblical. So you're mutually submissing anyways. You're going to be like, okay, baby, what do you need to make this happen? So when I go home, my job is not to say, well, I'm the man of this house. My job is to do what? Lead through what? Service. So at the end of the day, I'm serving her because I got to make sure that I'm a good leader. The problem is we have too many lording over men and not enough servant leader men. And if you had both, then your woman wouldn't have a problem submitting to you if you were a servant because she knows she submitted to too. But you're over here talking about, and then guess what? It gets, I hate to say it, but it gets into an earning game too. Now you're over here trying to earn your merit. Can I tell you something about that verse? I got to move fast. Ephesians 5, verse 25, I'm referring to. You can I tell you something? That wasn't earned. His role was given. It was also his divine assignment. Stop making your man earn it too. He should have had it before you married him, but you chose him. So now he's in that role no matter if you want it or not. The problem is now you're making him earn it. That means the moment he makes a mistake, he got to live about it for five years. He forgot one bill six years ago. He's like, you ain't good with no money. <laughs> I was working a double shift. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> that dripping faucet. You know that verse, some of, some of us are dripping faucets. It's to aid and support. It's to fit. That is compatible. It is a fit. The word helper means I fit with you. So stop trying to find somebody who is you. Find somebody who fits you. They're two different things. Many of y'all are waiting on somebody to show up just like you. Ooh, two of you don't match. How do I know this? Get the kid that's just like you. You know what? You be beefing hard with that one kid. Everybody else is just skating around the house having a good day. It's the one kid who's just like you. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to tear this kid up. <laughs> Can't, oh, when he get home. Then you start recounting your elementary days. Like, you know what? I did talk a lot when I was in elementary school. Dang it, he's me. And we over here doing the same thing to our marriages. Like, oh, I just want somebody just like me who wakes up early like me, goes to bed early like me, uh, falls asleep early like me, duh. Can't watch a movie, can't stay up. And who are you going to ask questions to? <laughs> I can't stand it. Watch the movie, you don't stop asking me questions. I'm trying to watch it. Oh, my mama, I love her to death. God bless. Never watch a movie with my mom. She don't watch Jack. And then all of a sudden, she be like, what happened? Watch it. I'll be feeling so bad for my dad. We moved out. We out. Me and Paul are gone, man. That was the main reason we left so early. <laughs> Can't wait to get married. Sure enough, Monica, like, what happened? Oh, dang. <laughs> Wasn't suitable. close. It says a helper, and I, ain't, I promise y'all that word's not even done, so I promise you, go to your notes, and look how deep that word goes. Ladies, you are not less than. Make sure this is very clear before I finish that word. You are not less than. He did not create you less than. The role doesn't mean you're less than. I already proved it to you that he calls himself this same word. So he thought it was less than, he would have never called himself that. So what I'm trying to prove to you is just stop looking at what the world tells our Bible means. Look at the word for what it really means. And you would realize you don't have to fight for independence and fight to be powerful and fight for value. If God already told you, I called myself this. I'm that valuable. So are you. Just go to war with your man. Go to fight with him. As long as he's fighting the right battles. You got a whole bunch of men fighting all these other battles, and that's why you're frustrated because you're walking in a war getting stung up. Knowing he's fighting the wrong battle. That means, fellas, you got to know what battle to fight. Stop fighting battles that don't matter. It doesn't matter if it's hot and cold in the bedroom. Just take the sheets off. <laughs> Suitable. 
and I'll be done. Suitable literally means opposite. It's not hard. Suitable just means that we're going to do this work together, and I found somebody that's opposite of you. I found somebody that can help you do the work, but also help you obey. I wish I had time, because if you go back to when they started to disobey, one person did what? Listen to Satan. The other person didn't do the work either and ate the fruit too. It's that both people have to do the obedience and the service in order to give glory to God. They can't be functioning out of the same breath. You know, this is what I love about marriage and singleness. Find somebody that's not always going to agree with you either. Please hear me. You keep trying to marry people who agree with everything you do. Have you ever thought that everything you do ain't right? Like, Monica got me folding clothes three different ways. I can't do it no more. Because <laughs> it ain't right. Mama said triangle folding is legit. She got me doing Palais Royal stuff. Find somebody that says, hey, I don't have to agree with you. But as long as we agree with the Bible, we okay. Like, this is the only thing you should be asking. Do, do we agree with this? Not do you agree with me. And we over here trying to force people to agree with us. That's why arguments last so long, because you're not asking what God said. You're asking what I said. And somehow you made yourself Bible, judge, jury, and... Thank you. Last time I checked, if you were Jesus, you wouldn't need help. But you ain't. You know what you know, relationships really tell you? It's how inadequate you really are. Like, isn't that beautiful? You can't do it by yourself. Stop trying. But if you do find somebody, find somebody that's going to do the right thing. And it's already doing it. Not only does it mean opposite, it means corresponds are compatible with. I've done a puzzle. My mom, I love her to death, and I'm trying to get done here. Mom, I love her, man. But mama, mama didn't let us have summers. Thank you. Summer had to be filled with some junk. So if y'all in here send y'all kids to every camp, there's two, problems, two possibilities. One, you really want your kid to somehow be an engineer at the age of six. Or two, you just don't want your kids in the house. You decide. Now, I haven't, I haven't, made, a jury, I haven't made a jury decision on my mama. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the engineer side. We would be in camps. I'm supposed to be an architect by the age of seven. But then when we were finally done with camp, we had to read a book. Then after we finished reading the book, it was puzzle time. Fam, I love y'all, and I'm finna say this publicly. I hate puzzles. No, I hate them. Like, that wasn't fun for me. Like, I did all that schoolwork to have a summer full of Fun. I didn't get finished school to go back to school. Who does that? Who's like, man, summertime, back to school. I, like, I want to go to camps. <laughs> I want to do puzzles for four hours. But one time, mom decided to make it really fun for us. She was like, if you finish this 700-piece puzzle, because that's the problem, is that she would always make it harder because we would finish fast. How do I know that? Because Paul was the smartest one. I just go there and pass Paul pieces. Paul would figure it out. Paul would be like, boom, 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 boom. Boo. And then we go outside. Finally get to play Mario Brothers on Nintendo. It was a beautiful life. But then mom saw how smart Paul was and how dumb I was, and she was like, dang. <laughs> I told you there's always one kid. You're like, ooh. <laughs> she was like, here's a thousand-piece puzzle. Now I'm looking at Paul like, <laughs> I'm seven. I, I, I don't know. And she's like, if you finish it, I'll laminate it and put it in a frame. I don't care. <laughs> that thing's still over the washing machine right now. I look back like, ugh. <laughs> she acts like it's a good memory. It's a horrible memory. <laughs> But what I learned when watching my brother <laughs> and my mom, because they're both good at it, 
is that you would do the edges first. The cool thing about the edges is that, is that some of the pieces are taken away from, so like the side doesn't need a piece. So your job is to find the colors and find the edges. And then you find what? What fits together. And all I'm telling you today is that you find somebody who's going to fit together for the overall glory of God. That by the time you start trying to put pieces on top of each other, that's not how a puzzle works. You put puzzle pieces next to each other. And where your whole little thing is, somebody else is supposed to fit into that. Because when you're done doing that, when you're done building a marriage that's supposed to give God glory, it would all reflect God's glory. And then God laminates that in heaven and says, good job. So today, what I'm saying is do your job. If you're single, do it. If you're single, obey. If you're married, do it. If you're married, obey. Because what you're trying to do is make sure two people that may be opposites still do their job because that's what you were created to do. Stop adding things to your marriage. Stop adding things to your singleness and say, this is the puzzle piece that God gave me. I'm just going to put it together. Let us pray.